This episode of To The Point is sponsored by Tarsus. Tarsus Pharmaceuticals applies proven science and new technology to revolutionize treatment for patients, starting with eye care. Tarsus is advancing its pipeline to address several diseases with high unmet need across a range of therapeutic categories, including eye care, dermatology, and infectious disease prevention. Tarsus is proud to announce that Xdemvi Lotolaner Ophthalmic Solution 0.25% is now available to prescribe. Ocular surface disease. It's complex, chronic, and progressive, but rife with opportunity for the enterprising optometrist. The mission of this podcast is to make this condition more understandable and accessible to those interested and specializing in it. So let's get to the point. Welcome to another episode of the To The Point podcast. My name is Jackie Garlick, and I am joined by my co-host, Leslie O'Dell. Hi, Leslie. Hi. How's it going? It's going good. Today, we are going to be giving a rundown on the diagnostic tools that you can purchase for your um, growing dry eye clinic. And we're going to kind of give a rundown on low end and then go up to more high end options for our diagnostic testing. So um, I think what we're going to start with is some of the lower end options that you um, should have or can have in your um, practice. So Leslie, what should we talk, what should we start with here? What do you want to talk about? Well, I mean, I will say that with dry eye being such, um, you know, at the top of minds of, of companies and also doctors, and we're always trying to seek better ways to make an easy diagnosis because it's still a a very underdiagnosed and undertreated disease state, we are not at a loss of things to talk about. I feel like <laughs> there is a lot of technology. Um, every time I I feel like I turn around, I'm seeing something new and exciting coming out. And it's easy to want, you know, to be able to have it all when you're building out your practice. But sometimes you have to really be able to, you know, graduate into different levels of um, diagnostics. So I think if you start at the basics, some of things that we talked about early on would just be the vital dye stains. If you look at what you would use as your foundation for treating dry eye, TFOS dues too, for example, um, the the diagnosis of dry eye disease is made based on symptoms. um, And then vital dye testing. So fluorescein and lysamine green um, are easily uh, easy to find and not that expensive to add. Um, and I think that's definitely one of the first things that I would want to have um, to do a good dry eye evaluation. Yeah, agreed. Um, I have also, um, I think right next to that should be your Shermer testing strips. Um, it's stand-up box. Looks just like the others. Yeah. <laughs> just add that to your shelf. <laughs> yeah. So Shermer strips, you know, can be this what we're used to seeing with um, you know, hinged over the um, bottom eyelid and kind of the measuring stick. Um, you can also look to things like the phenol red thread. I know some doctors really love that. It gives results in a lot quicker of a time. Um, maybe mm five seconds, um, I think. And then also it, it's a string that you put in and it kind of highlights yeah. and then you measure, um, when the string has changed color. Um, 
The other one that's... I've never used that. Yeah, you know, I honestly don't use it a lot either, but um, I know when I'm lecturing with other doctors that are doing a lot of dry eye management, they really, you know, speak highly of that phenol red thread. Um, One that I'm starting to use is made by Quidel, and it's called the SM tube, and it looks like a... It looks like a ruler on two sides, and one side is for the right eye, one side is for the left eye, and you're using the tear meniscus to kind of, um, with a pipette type, um, you know, action, um, acquire some of the tears, and it quickly measures what their shimmer is. And that's another very fast test that's done within seconds versus the traditional one or five minutes, you know, depending on if you're doing the propericane or no propericane with the traditional Shermer. So I know that, you know, I feel sometimes doctors think, oh, Shermer's so antiquated, but it's still a big part of, you know, FDA trials. It's still a big part of some of what the medications, um, labeling is. So, you know, depending on what medications you're starting, uh, it also is very helpful for me for when I'm trying to uncover more of a systemic disease. So I do like Shermer testing, um, but it is nice to kind of have some I, some options that are not the traditional, you know, piece of paper. Yeah. 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 Good point. Um, the other thing that um, I have found useful is the MGE the meibomian gland evaluator is that what it's actually called i always call it mge yeah and that that is that was developed by dr korb correct i believe right mm-hmm. okay so then um i actually got that through my j and j rep mm-hmm. um steve shout out to steve and <laughs> his colleague i forgot who was with him um yeah but that that's another useful tool and a nicer way to sort of standardize when you're looking at the meibomian glands and judging the function of those. So that's a nice way to, I think, I think standardize that. I mean, I think it's an easy thing to push on the glands and say, yeah, these look turbid or like no expression, but like to have a better sort of standardized way to do that. Um, the MGD, MGE, excuse me, is a nice tool. For yeah. That. And, you know, is nice and um, a very low cost. And the best way to get that is to touch base with your J&J rep, um, Maybe even like the contact lens rep might be a good place to start, but it is part of their ocular surface section. And just like you said, Dr. Korb developed that to be standardized pressure. So it's um, three pounds per square inch, which is what your, um, or 0.3 pounds per square inch, which is what your pressure of your blink is. And so when I'm pressing against it with my thumb versus you're pressing against it with your thumb or somebody else, you know, we're, we're all pushing with different pressures. Um, and so it is a good way to kind of have a standardized measurement um, and sometimes shocking to see the difference between if you are using your finger to kind of manually evaluate the glands and then you do MGE, you're going to usually get kind of a worse result, which makes sense because the blink isn't as forceful as we are kind of manipulating the lids when we're pushing with our thumb. So I do agree MGE is a great tool for figuring out the function of the glands for sure. The other thing that we could mention are two um, different instruments. So like the Carpecki debrider versus the Mastroda paddle are two other options um, that are relatively inexpensive and, you know, in-office instruments that you could use. Yeah. I um, So I think that Mastroda paddle um, was developed more with the intent, I think, for maybe being able to evaluate gland. Treat. Um, yeah, but I think also like to help with expression, um, 
you know, she, but I think it was also first intended to be a diagnostic, you know, you put it in and, and use a cotton tip to kind of push out the mybum. Um, now the Carpecki debrider, I like a lot. Um, it has a nice smooth edge. And so what I found actually with, I was using a foreign body spud for a long time to kind of clean off the mybomian glands before I did assess them or if there was the mybomian gland kind of like cyst looking at the edge that I wanted to kind of uncap um and it is pretty sharp I felt you know the <laughs> sharper edge is the foreign body spud but it makes sense you're trying to dig out a foreign body you know from the cornea is what it's intended for um so I I do really like the Carpecki um, debrider for that reason that it's just not as sh a sharp edge it's a little bit dulled down and does a really good job for um, that debridement of the lids which I think is important before you actually do your MGE so it's sort of you clean off the lid to then evaluate what's coming out um, I think that those tools kind of can go hand in hand you know what I would have been using um, to basically debride is the clearance assistant from tear care. I'll use that, which I feel like works pretty well. Yeah. Kind of a very similar edge, um, which, you know, that debride, that expressor that tear care pairs with their treatment unit is very good. Um, also I've used a bunch of different ones over the years and I can't even remember them all, but, um, it's good just to kind of experiment with them and, and get comfortable with one. The, the one I use most commonly in addition to that tear care expressor is a Katina. And basically it looks much like the tear care expressor. It's just a little bit smaller of a plate. And, um, and so it may be targeting one to two glands versus three glands, um, and it, but I will say that because this area is smaller, it's a little bit more painful for the patient. So the the one that Tear Care did, uh, or Sight Science had paired with their Tear Care system, I like because it is a lot less uh, uncomfortable to the patient. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. What else um, can we talk about in the low cost price point? Well, you know, here? we talked about this a lot in another episode, but the biggest low cost you already own, and um, it's your Transilluminator. So I feel like two things, your transilluminator, you know, is helping for that inadequate nighttime lid seal by again, shining it on the top lid in the dark room. And then, um, it also could be the, the poor man's mybography. Mybographer. Right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, so the trans, the transilluminator is one. And then the other one is, is your finger. So just being able to assess the lid laxity by doing the snap test, pulling down on that bottom lid and seeing how quickly it bounces back. And then also same thing, lifting up the top lid to look to see how loose that might be if you're thinking about like a floppy lid syndrome or something like that. You know, so those are two things that are already in your office and don't cost us anything. So, um, but you know, when you look at TFOS dues too, especially again, and again, you know, that, that questionnaire, you know, questionnaire is something that we all need to be doing and is another low cost um, diagnostic. So whether it's the speed or the OSDI or the, the DEQ5, you know, finding one you're comfortable with and implementing that. Um, aside from the vital dye, the next diagnostic is the tear breakup time. So you have the floor seen again. Um, but there's a lot of cool science coming into that space with non-invasive tear breakup time, you know, measurements um, and how that might in interfere with vision in, in such that, um, breaking up breeding rates and things like that. 
um, which kind of lends into what we were going to talk about with one of the diagnostic tools that's been really coming to the forefront, I would say, of giving us um, a, an, a pretty concise idea of what's going on with the patient, with um, the Oculus, um, the care, uh, the 5M, you know, that, that piece of equipment is really impressive. It can do non-invasive tear breakup time. It can do mybography. It's doing this um, customized tear report, the crystal report, I think, crystal tear report. Um, so it's giving you a lot of diagnostics before you even have the patient in the exam chair. One thing I just remembered we forgot is point of care testing, which I know we have covered in a, you know, I'm talking about the Oculus is sort of more of a more expensive purchase, but okay. point of care testing. Um, we talked about that previously in a different podcast, but that's another lower cost option. Uh, Inflamadry, tear lab, two good options for that. Yep. And and again, when I think about, you know, just how I lay out my dry eye exam, I put tear lab first because osmolarity is another diagnostic that's defining dry eye. Um, so tear lab is giving us our osmolarity readings um, and that, you know, is expected to be changing and adding some other diagnostics that are more inflammatory in origin with interleukin and MMP9 in their discovery um, unit that um, should be available sometime in, the, in in our country, is available in Europe right now. Um, but then MMP9 kind of goes into the, you know, when you're trying to subtype and get to your treatment plan, MMP9 is very helpful at um, uncovering, or I'm sorry, inflammatory is very helpful at uncovering MMP9 levels, which you know, tell us that there is inflammation present. So definitely point of care testing is, and, and I will say on the lower side of an acquisition cost. Now with the tier lab system, you do have dis disposables. So you do have to pay for the machine and then you have to pay to keep that machine working. So mid mid range, maybe not really yeah. a high end, but like yeah, yeah, I would say mid mid range, but mid -range. something that I think if you have the ability to do point of care testing, something you should be considering early in because it's telling you a lot about the patient and the disease and even how treatments are going. This episode of To the Point is sponsored by Tarsus. Tarsus Pharmaceuticals applies proven science and new technology to revolutionize treatment for patients, starting with eye care. Tarsus is advancing its pipeline to address several diseases with high unmet need across a range of therapeutic categories, including eye care, dermatology, and infectious disease prevention. Tarsus is proud to announce that Xdemvi Lotolaner Ophthalmic Solution 0.25% is now available to prescribe. So um, you sort of started to segue us into like the more expensive, um, higher cost diagnostic uh, equipment that you can purchase for your practice. One of them, you and I have been talking about this previously, but the Oculus, the K5M, um, which is, um, you know, an, as you said, a 
device that does a lot of interesting things and gives you a lot of information. Um, that's also coupled with the topographer as well. So you have my biography, topography in there, um, many, I feel like, bells and whistles to the K5M. Uh, but there are others, certainly other um, my biographers, and we can just list out a couple of those, lip of view, lip of scan, um, which I haven't, I've seen lip of view before, but I have no experience with lip of scan. Okay. Um, so, um, both of them I think are great mimographers. Lip of view, it's actually lip of view too, because the lip of view system that first came with, um, lip of flow did not have mimography. So it was a scan that was measuring lipid layer thickness and blink rates, and it did not have mimography. And so LipaView 2 came um, a few years after the introduction of LipaFlow, and it incorporated their mybography, which is really impressive the way that it uses the infrared light and gives different scans to really be able to visualize the, the glands. Um, it's really easy for a tech to use both of their um, pieces of equipment. The difference between the two is that LipaView 2 also is giving us the blink rate which is important because you see a lot of the partial blink. So if you, you know, you're treating that computer user, computer user that has a lot of dry eye disease um, and you want to show them what's happening at the screen um, or you have a contact lens patient that's really suffering with dry eye and, and, you know, you already know they're blinking less. But if you can show them that they're having eight out of 10 partial blinks, that speaks to them, to the patients. And they really understand that they get that. It also gives you this lipid layer thickness, which can be really impressive when you do like a pre and post treatment analysis when you're releasing MyBum. You can really see that layer bulk up, which you would expect. Um, LipaScan is nice because it is a smaller footprint. Um, and it's, again, very easy to train technicians to run that machine. It's only doing the mybography report, um, you know, or imaging rather um, with that. But I'm, I've been very impressed with the images that come from their systems. I was just going to say that. I have um, had my images taken with a couple of different pieces of equipment, and it was actually, I misspoke. I've, I had it taken on the LipaScan, um, not the LipaView, but the quality of that image was um, so much better than some other mimographers that I've actually tried. So it, I, I didn't really realize there was such a difference in like the quality of those images I kind of felt they were all probably similar in some way but I, I did I do feel like that quality is is amazing you know and in that case because you shared some of those pictures and it looked like you went from having glands to not having glands exactly. I guess you know when you commit <laughs> to something you would only have usually one imaging system so you're going to be looking at the patient with the same thing so but if it's showing less glands, you're going to be far more aggressive in your treatment than maybe you would need to be. It's, it's definitely interesting how how different some of those um, images, imaging systems can be. So the other one, well, so Oculus does a, a very good job with their K5M, um, their mybography. I've used that again, you know, from other doctors when we're doing different research projects, and and it seems pretty tech easy. They get really great images of the superior glands, um, the inferior glands. So, you know, I do really like that. And then the, the newer one, a couple newer ones, one is MyBox, which um, I have some experience with. I like it because it's small. It has the smallest footprint of any of these. It fits into the ruby lens of your slit lamp. 
and then you know just saves the images on your c computer desktop. Um, it can do superior, inferior, and you could train a tech to do it, but I usually ended up taking those photos because it's done at the slit lamp. And for me, if I wanted superior glands, it was far easier to invert lids um, using that technology than to evert the lid um, you know, behind a big machine and I'm leaning over the machine and also trying to evert the lid on, on the lighting source. So I do really like the MyBox for that reason. And I think that he, um, that, you know, that's an optometry found company with Dr. Trin. And I think that he, you know, has even capturing some video in his second version. Um, so it definitely is something to be on the look, look out for. And that's called, um, Box Medical Solutions, I think is, his company. Yeah. The, the other nice thing in, um, is that that is portable. Like you can move that from room to room, um, which is great if you have, you know, multiple exam rooms that you know you're going to be wanting to get images from. Um, yeah. And as, as far as that goes, um, it, it's a nice lower cost mybographer. Right. Um, and like you said, you can move it from one room to the next, which makes it really really convenient. There's also the Antares, which is from Luminous, the company that has um, one of the IPLs. They also have a mybographer as well that does, I think actually does um, blink rate and um, tear breakup time. Yeah, I think they do non-invasive tear breakup time with that instrument as well. I think really when you're looking to maybe bring something in, um, at least from where I am now, you know, I'm, I'm building out a um, a medically focused practice where dry eye will still be a big part of that. But um, I'm trying as much as I can to get instruments that do more than one thing um, and also take up less space in an office. Um, so I, I'm really looking hard at what can do non-invasive tear breakup time because I think that's really important moving forward if I'm going to be doing patient care. But definitely if I'm going to be doing any kind of research, I know that that's a big part of where research is heading, they want to see that non-invasive tear breakup time. Yeah, that's a good point. The other thing that we should maybe mention is, um, which uh, is is like an anterior segment camera. So if you are wanting to, I find this actually to be more helpful, not as much from a billing perspective, but from a patient education standpoint, it's um, so much nicer when I can show a patient like this is what's on your lashes or this is what your meibomian gland looks like, you know, like um, I find that to be really useful. And there's there's certainly higher end, um, you know, cameras that adapt right to your slit lamp. But then you can also do a very low end iPhone with an iPhone adapter and achieve similar results. Um, and I've seen a lot of people actually use their iPhone. And actually, before I was at the practice now, I would hold my iPhone up to an ocular and get like really good images with just doing it that way. So that can be, can be actually a low expense, a low expense item as well, but um, very, very useful from a patient education perspective. I, th yeah, I think that that photography is, is so powerful when you're trying to educate somebody, you know, from something like blepharitis, there are things, um, I've seen uh, one camera called a lash cam. It was paired with, um, you know, I forget who was, I forget who even was selling that right now. I feel like it was either paired with a cleanser or paired with, um, a micro exfoliator, but it, um, it's called lash cam and it, 
it was like a microscope that would attach to your phone and take a zoomed in picture of the eyelashes so you could easily just show the patient right there their blepharitis. Um, I, it might have been, you know, with Blefex, you know, that would make sense, mm. but don't mm -hmm. hold me to that. <laughs> um, but then I've definitely used my iPhone. I had an iPad that would connect to the oculars. But the one thing that I am looking forward to is having a slit lamp camera that is a little bit more, um, you know, maybe it was just user failure on my part with my iPhone, but I'm really looking forward to a little bit better quality than what I was capturing. Uh, but I have <laughs> seen some really amazing pictures just from the slit lamp, you know, from photos from the iPhones and the phones. Um, but so I've been looking at Telscreen. They um, have a good system that connects to a slit lamp. You know, Zeiss actually has some imaging for the slit lamp that I've been looking at and also um, Firefly. Firefly can do mybography as well. Um, and I've used that at some of the trade shows when I've been working, you know, with some of the companies just to show doctors how to do certain things. Um, and I've been impressed with all of theirs. But they all do have – it's almost like a luxury car, I feel like, buying an anterior segment camera. It's like you know you really want it. <laughs> but you may never really pay for it. I don't know. You know, like, you know, you really want it, but it's never going to really pay for itself. Maybe, right. But, but yeah. you know, I think it does because I do really think having the patient understand what's going on and it's so abstract to just kind of talk them through it to be able to show it to them, I think is really powerful. Uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, if, certainly from when I'm doing a thermal there, like if I'm, I'm doing a tear care procedure and I show them what's ha what's happening and what's coming out of their glands, I'll take a video with my interior segment camera, and they'll oh, yeah, just that's be like, "They're like, a patient for life." <laughs> after you show them that, um, you know, same with you know, same with blepharitis and demodex. You know, being able to show them that, I mean, even a patient just to see their eyelashes magnified, it's already they're already bought into whatever you're going to tell them because they've never seen their yeah. eyelashes so magnified. Um, yeah, yeah. So I think that. Um, I think it's definitely something that you should grow to acquire, you know, as your practice grows. Oh, one thing I just saw that I wanted to tell you about, which is really kind of cool science, is by um, uh, Advanced Ophthalmic Solutions. Is that um, AOS? And yeah, so I think so. Yep. They have – they don't take the image, but you can upload an image to their software um, and it can do a lot of really cool things. Like you can put a grid on it on the cornea. So say you have your fluorescein picture, you can put a grid on it that shows central, temporal, nasal, inferior, superior, and it will count every punctate keratitis in all those <laughs> zones and tell you. Like, yeah, that's amazing. I know. I saw this technology. This yeah, is crazy. Or it will um, tell you what the conjunctival redness is. I was just going to say that, like it's the so level cool. of injection. It yeah. is kind of crazy. Yeah. I do think this is the way of eye care. Like this is the future of like, it's almost like AI, you know, figuring out how bad your dry eye patient is or how bad that redness is. But yeah, I, I did see that. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. And I'm, I can only imagine that they'll eventually do the same with mybography. I didn't see that on their platform, but I was really impressed with, um, with that, I'm thinking here I am like counting these things and this machine is just doing it for you. You know, this software is doing it for you in a second. It's pretty impressive. It is pretty impressive. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we covered, uh, hopefully all of the, um, options from a diagnostic standpoint, uh, when we're talking about dry eye, do you want to just review a few of the, um, treatment options? Yeah. I think that the treatment, you know, 
the treatments are also growing, which is really exciting to see. We still have topical therapeutics, which are so important. You know, you want to create the foundation to help with inflammation, but then you have to be thinking about meibomian gland expression. And now we have lots of tools that help us to do that. Um, and they are ranging from, you know, something that does have a small footprint, like the tear care system from Site Science. You know, it's the size of a hockey puck. You can carry that easily from one exam room to the next. Um, you know, to even Ilux is relatively low footprint. It just docks. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, so yeah. these two are um, some of the new, you know, new to the game of meibomian gland expression tools that we could acquire when we're thinking about treatment. Of course, we have, you know, the first, which was Lipiflow, thermal pulsation. Um, and that still is a very important part of a dry eye practice and very important part of meibomian gland um, expression. And then, you know, IPL with um, the intense pulse light, that is helping so much with inflammation and uh, meibomian gland expression, rosacea, um, and maybe even things like Demodex. You know, I've seen some papers saying that it's helping in that area too. So it can get very expensive very quickly. And um, speaking from the point of being, you know, in a dry eye center of excellence in the recent past, um, you know, I have had access to actually try all of them. Um, I wasn't able to acquire all of them because of just, you know, the cost to do so. Um, so you have to kind of be selective. Um, it's good to, to see if you can get some hands-on, you know, whether that's in your own office or, you know, if there's any way to, to meet up with the companies, but, um, being able to kind of understand and get comfortable. So for me, for example, I have a lot of comfort, um, with Lipiflow. I've been doing it since 2012, we were the first center in Pennsylvania to have access to that. So I feel very confident about when I'm going to refer a patient for Lipiflow. You know, I know it works. I have, I feel very confident about that. Um, took me a little bit more time to get comfortable with the Ilux, mostly just because of in it's in my hand, the whole treatment and, you know, treating the superior glands takes a little bit more practice for me, you know, but it doesn't mean that it's not something that I would use routinely. It's just that it was just a little bit more cumbersome for me personally. Um, and then the tear care system, you know, just adheres to the eyelid um, with the smart lid technology, the patients in the chair with their eyes open, blinking on their phone, you know, for the 15 minutes while the heating. And then, you know, quite frankly, it's kind of fun to do the meibomian gland expression after that. The videos you're showing your patients to scare them at night. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I feel like it's very powerful. They can see what's coming out of there. Um, and now they have a, a much better understanding. You know, and then IPL. Yeah, IPL again, um, very exciting and um technology and lots of research kind of mounting on how that is so, so crucial. And, and a lot of doctors, you know, pair these treatments together. They'll do mm -hmm. um, right. some kind of expression and then they'll do IPL, you know, sometimes they'll alternate it or they'll do three or four IPLs and then move on to something like an expression treatment. So it is, there is room to have more than one of those. It's just figuring out when that works best for your practice. All right, great. This is good, Leslie. Anything else you want to cover? I think that about wraps it up. But I mean, there could definitely be some new exciting technology on the horizon that we just don't know about. And so we feel bad leaving anything out. But certainly, um, you know, sh share with us anything we might have missed, right? We are, we're always excited to try something new. 
And now for the to the point wrap up. Dry eye disease continues to expand in both the research around treatments and in our diagnostic technologies. It can be overwhelming for anyone getting into dry eye disease, but it doesn't have to be. Remember, start small, build your patient base by using things like questionnaires and your vital dye staining, and then explore options that allow for better diagnostic, whether it be non-invasive tear breakup time, point of care testing, mybography, Look for machinery and technology that can allow for more than one diagnostic test whenever possible to save money to your practice and also save space within your practice. But most importantly, embrace the technology and have fun on this journey.